We have uh, we have an update on Turkey and what's going on over there. Uh, coming up in just a few minutes. We're in a very bad situation, and I want you to know we're in a situation that was created by the Obama administration and, quite frankly, people like John McCain. Uh, and we armed people, and we we set the Middle East on fire. Uh, now Donald Trump is trying to get us out of there, and there's no good solution to this. We'll talk about that coming up in just a second, and the, the price that people are paying over there uh, because we lit a fuse. We'll we'll get to that coming up in a second. But first, that conspiracy theorist, Peter Schweitzer. I'm trying to take you serious, Peter, but it's so hard. <laughs> Always a great to be on with you, Glenn. Thanks for having me. Thank we're, you. I guess we're conspiring in front of your audience. Oh, yeah. Right? No, let's, we're going to swear everybody to secrecy here. You, did, No matter what you hear in the next few minutes, you didn't hear us. We're not really talking to each other. <laughs> Peter, let's l- first of all, let me start with this. Last week, in something completely outrageous, they started saying that you were ripping portions of your book right off of Wikipedia. And the the charges were so crazy because they were saying, uh, what, what was the what was the one example, uh, Stu, that the, we were talking about just yesterday? Like, uh, they're talking about uh, the mayor of Chicago who had a press conference when he sobbed, and then they like take part of your sentence that also used the word sobbed, and they're like, "Well, he copied the word sobbed from Wikipedia," and it's like, that's a, "No, that's actually a word other people use." Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was yeah. crazy. And, and, and and the problem is, guys, that um, you know, if we had used the word "cried," I'm sure somebody else had described uh, or published an article saying he cried. Right. So we right. Yeah. I mean, this is what, what's really happened. Is about two weeks ago, the New York Times had a news piece on this. Uh, the Biden campaign has has avoided trying to deal with Ukraine and China. You've talked about it and reported on it extensively. I did in Secret Empires. Their strategy was to ignore it. Uh, the problem is um, that that it's really Stupid. captured the interest of the American people. So they've gone on the attack, and their approach is still not to deal with the evidence. It's to attack the messenger. So uh, they have tried these scurrilous attacks. Um, The bottom line is they don't work. Um, People are interested in this material. And as we've talked about before, Glenn, this is all follow the money. There's there's no conspiracy we're alleging here. There's no theory here. We have the money. We have the trips on Air Force Two. We have the... uh, Joe Biden policies. We have the Joe Biden favors. Now the people have to look at the material and decide one of two things, Glenn. This is all just a crazy coincidence, right, that that Hunter got these deals that he didn't deserve and that Joe Biden did what he did. It's all just a coincidence. Or uh, there is corruption at the highest levels here. And I think most people that look at this, the vast majority of people say there's something amiss. And the Biden team, I think, is in panic. So I I agree with you, and I think the um, I think the whole DNC is in panic right now. Yesterday, it came out that um, uh, Nancy Pelosi's son uh, was hired as I think COO of this oil company over in um, Ukraine, and you know why they went to Pelosi's family because she loves oil companies, just <laughs> loves them. Um, but he was actually a beard for a company for two owners of this company that were 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 um, uh, known oligarchs, known um, scam artists and criminals, they were not supposed to be able to open their own company. And so he was running it kind of as a beard. 
well, I think she's panicked, too. I think they're all panicking. No, you're, you're exactly right, Glenn. I mean, if you look, uh, I was listening to you earlier, and you were talking about the Clintons. And, you know, the foreign country that donated more to the Clinton Foundation than anybody else was Ukraine. Joe Biden's son gets this sweetheart oil deal in Ukraine. Nancy Pelosi's son is involved with this deal in Ukraine. Um, John is- Kerry's son. Well, and, and, and here's, the, yeah, here's the thing, Glenn, is so, you know, we're all used to seeing all these stories about how corrupt Ukraine is, and it repels us. The problem is it has the opposite effect on our political elites, because they see it as an opportunity to self-enrich. They see it as an opportunity for a quick payday in a way they could not get it in the United States. They could not get it in Japan or England, because it wouldn't be tolerated. And this is the problem. China the same way. They're magnets for our political elite because they can do things and get away with things they can't in other parts of the world. And, and you know, as I talked about in the New York Times piece, this is a bipartisan problem. Um, but I got to tell you, and I think the evidence is clear, uh, nobody has done this more systematically than Joe Biden when he was vice president. His son had deals in China. He had deals in Ukraine. We know that in a money he was drawing cash from, Hunter Biden, there was money coming from Kazakhstan. There was money from anonymous L. LLCs from Swiss bank accounts. Um, so there's a bigger, bigger story here. And what the Bidens want to do is attack me or attack the New York Times. Um, John Solomon. Yes, John Solomon. Absolutely excellent reporter. Excellent reporter. I deal with reporters from all kinds of mainstream media outlets, and they all know John Solomon and trust John Solomon. Then how come they're allowing... Um, even the New York Times to smear John Solomon. John worked for the New York Times. He worked for the Washington Post. He worked for Associated Press. He has outed people on both sides of the aisle. He's won all kinds of awards. How come his colleagues aren't standing up and going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. John Solomon is not that guy. Yeah, no, it's a great question. Look, I think that uh, the New York Times, um, there are all kinds of things going on there. Uh, I deal with some reporters there, and and they are top-flight reporters. Uh, But there are problems with other reporters and with some of the editors. In in the case of my piece that ran yesterday – this may surprise a lot of people, but I, it was actually solicited by the New York Times. They came to me and said, would you write a piece relating to the Secret Empire's book? You and I have talked about it many times, Glenn. Would you write a piece in the New York Times book talking about the Bidens, give another example from the other side, and propose a solution? So they approached me, and you know everything that we do is fact-checked internally. But when you submit a piece like that to the New York Times, they fact-check it. It went through fact-check. Everything was fine. So, you know, my experience is there are Times reporters that are really trying to cover this stuff. There are other Times reporters, it's like any news organization, who are going to be more lazy or they're going to do somebody's bidding. Uh, And that's what I think you're seeing. And what the Biden letter from the campaign is intended to do is to try to basically push the management of the New York Times uh, to silence these people that want to cover this story. That's, that's clearly what their intention is. Not to mention intimidate other publications from allowing your work yeah. to be seen as well. Exactly. Um, and I will say, too, you, you mentioned you put some, they asked for someone from the other side, which you supplied, which was yeah. uh, a person inside the Trump administration, along with Mitch McConnell, and his yeah. wife, uh, Elaine Chao. And so you, you went into this. You have, even in the story they're complaining about, you went after both sides here. And your point being that this is not illegal, and that's the thing that needs to change. 
Exactly. I mean, it was funny. So another one of the hit pieces against me was uh, Jane Mayer of The New Yorker, um, which, again, has all this ridiculous stuff in it. But one of the things she she puts in there is that, you know, Schweitzer writes this book, Secret Empires, and really what he is is just an opposition researcher. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm, I'm thinking, man, I must be a really stupid one because I go after Republicans as well. So you know, <laughs> who actually am I doing opposition research on? And what I would say is, I'm doing opposition research on corruption, and that tends to be establishment political figures from both sides of the aisle. Um, and, and you're exactly right. This is a problem that doesn't have a dear R after its name. Uh, it has human after this name. It, it goes to the basic roots. You guys talk about this on the radio all the time. It goes to that basic part of the corruptible nature of man mm-hmm. and power, its ability to corrupt people. And that's what we're seeing here, and they don't want people discussing it. I can't believe that the the uber left is not joined this parade on Ukraine because this takes down the the Democratic uh, uh, leadership, the the guys who are in this institution forever. It takes apart the Democratic National Committee. It takes apart all of it. And I can't believe that they're not grabbing onto this saying this is why you need to vote differently, because these guys are corrupt. Why aren't they doing that? Uh, great question, Glenn. I remember in 2016, um, you know, when I did Clinton Cash, and you and I talked about it, yeah. and uh, it got a lot of media attention, uh, New York Times, etc. You know, Bernie Sanders was reluctant for some reason to, to you know, criticize Hillary Clinton on this corruption. But if you followed his hardcore supporters on social media or on websites, they were all over this material because they get it. I think what you're seeing with a lot of the um, candidates right now is they're jockeying. They're trying to figure out strategically what's going to benefit them the most, whereas their base of supporters, if you're an Elizabeth Warren supporter or Bernie Sanders supporter, uh, a lot of them are true believers. Um, and, and I think they are outraged and they are starting to speak up about this. And I think the Biden approach of just saying this is going to go away if we just give it time is not true. I think the the reporting continues, the momentum on reporting continues, um, and that's not going to go away. And he's going to have to address this. And the only way he's going to be able to address this, I think, is to lay out precisely what went on. Um, and he's just not going to do that. Uh, he's been in, in you know in a safe uh, Senate seat for you know since 1972. Then he was vice president. He's not used to being held into account. He never really had a serious challenger in Delaware. Um, And so it's just running contrary to his nature to say, I've got to go out and be honest and address this. He hasn't had to do that in more than 40 years. So let me ask you about this. There is a new um, uh, allegation that came out from Ukraine yesterday um, by a guy named Andriy Durkak. He is a Ukrainian MP. And he said that he has documents and we're having one of these documents, the only one that's been released, translated. Even the, the even the press that has printed these documents has not translated for, for some reason. We have it in translation. I hope to have it by the end of the show, but I think it's going to be this afternoon before we get it. Um, but he says these documents show that Joe Biden, not only his son got a piece of sixteen point five million dollars. Um, but Joe Biden himself was paid nine hundred thousand dollars for his his work for Burisma on behalf of Burisma. Have you ever heard that he got paid directly 
I mean, this is hard to believe because that's, I mean, that, that's, that is illegal. It is, and, and I think it would be, you know, extremely reckless. I mean, look, Glenn, this is the reason I think that, that President Trump was actually, it was very appropriate for him to say the U.S. Department of Justice should work with Ukrainians to investigate this. The challenge in Ukraine is... Who do you trust? You get, you, yes, it's extremely corrupt. I don't really know this political figure. I don't know if those documents are accurate. I think exactly the way that you laid it out is perfect. You've got to be kind of skeptical and say this is hard to believe. But this is why you need people over there. The, the, the notion that somehow the Ukrainians should investigate this themselves, to me, is, is, is ludicrous. Yeah. Um, they're, they're just not going to be able to do it. And that's why we need people over there. Are these documents genuine? Are they real? Are they made up? Uh, there's so much political theater in Ukraine um, that I think we need to be skeptical until we have actual people go over there. John Solomon's been trying to do this. Yeah. Go over there who are professionals who know this and say, look, I'm, I'm using various tests, and these documents appear to be genuine. So I think your your, your tone and approach on this, Glenn, is yeah. exactly right. Yeah, it's it's uh, one of those things where when something is too good to be true, exactly, it usually is. Um, all right, Peter, thank you so much. Thank you for all of the work that you've done. Um, I'd love to bring you down for a podcast where we could spend 90 minutes on what you know uh, and take us through all of that. But I, I thank you so much for everything that you've done and keep your chin up. I know what it's like to be called a conspiracy theorist and to have all of your good work just thrown out um, and and ridiculed by those in power. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Glenn. I appreciate you it. You bet. Hey, uh, Stu, let's look into Joe Biden here for just a few minutes. Uh, and uh, how much well, time do you have, Glenn? We've got about uh, we got about five minutes. Okay, here. I, two. Okay, we two have minutes. Two minutes. Okay, and then we have uh, we have a guest coming up here in a few minutes. Um, but we can go through part of this. Yeah, it's incredible. So uh, the concept being, if you're Burisma, why are you hiring Bo, uh, uh, Hunter, Hunter Biden? Hunter Biden. Now you're you're hiring Hunter Biden because. He's a guy who can help you. He's he's got mm-hmm. well no experience in gas. Mm-hmm. Um, he has no experience on you know uh, being on a board of directors to run a gas company. Um, he has no financial you know holdings experience. So why do you hire him? Mm, why would you do that? Right. So it's not only that he doesn't have those things. He's a guy in the middle of massive personal problems. Okay. We don't say this to mock, but this is serious. So let me just go through what I found real quick. In college, he was using cocaine. Okay. Okay. And then he used crack in college. Then in 2000, so he went through a while. That was in the early 90s. 2001, he got drunk uh, on a train. Okay. And he decided he was having a problem. 2003, he decided with his wife he wouldn't drink for 30 days. And then he would always do it. And then on day 31, would break it. This sounds just like the stories you used to tell me about Mm -hmm. alcoholism. September 2003, he goes into rehab. Late 2003, he goes into AA. Uh, So then he has a nice break, about seven years of sobriety. Mm -hmm. 2010, he relapsed. He has three Bloody Marys. 2010 to 2011, he drinks uh, for several months, is what they describe. 2011, goes back to rehab again. 2013, he gets on painkillers and has an issue again. In May 2013, he stops at a bar, and he has a cigarette that seems to be laced with something in in his telling. Uh, Then he gets test positive for cocaine. July 2014, again, 2014 is when he starts with Burisma. So this is what leads into his Burisma hire. 
I mean, I'm never going to get through this. 2014, he goes into rehab again to use a substance that is illegal in the United States at the rehab place. Then goes back to rehab again in 2014 in, in the United States. In 2015, he starts drinking vodka again and moves out of his house. But by the way, he's still, I mean, he can afford the rehab and the drinks and the cocaine because they're paying him $50,000 a month. One of his relapse comes with the guy who runs Burisma. You're listening to Glenn. (laughs) And on and on and on. Welcome to the uh, program. I, um... I'm probably going to be very controversial here on my take on uh, Turkey and um, and the Kurds, but I want out of the Middle East. I, do, I want us to stop meddling in everybody's business in the Middle East. You cannot plant democracy. Um, and we as human beings, as individuals, we can gather groups and we can help. I'd personally like to see the NBA say china our money your money is not worth the lives of people it's not worth trading your money for people's freedom i would like us to stand as people against these things and help when we can i just don't want our military doing it all because we've caused some real problems in the middle east you know it's not just us it's Everybody meddling in there, and it's a real tough thing. And I, I don't know what to think about um, the president's doings. Although I read a great article in the Federalist that makes total sense, and if that indeed is what uh, uh, Trump is doing, and there's some good sources on there, I agree with him. I agree with him. But the consequences are high for people that even. We have already helped out. The Christians and the Yazidis are going to come under attack, and the Turks want them dead. Uh, we have uh, uh, Rudy Atala. He is the chief operating officer of the Nazarene Fund. Um, he is uh, he's a guy. He's a native of Beirut, Lebanon, fluent in Arabic and French. He has had over 20 years in the United States Air Force, um, special operations to intelligence and counterterrorism. He has consulted presidents, and we are thrilled that he has been our COO, and he's the guy who is sending these rescue missions and putting them together and rescuing these people. Rudy, welcome to the program. Uh, Good morning. Thank you, Glenn. Thank you so much. You bet. I I don't want to get into the politics of this because I know it's split and we may even disagree on the politics of it. I just want to talk about the human cost and what is going to happen and what our our responsibility, I believe, for the people who choose to help their, you know, be a good Samaritan and help the people, um, what we can do. First, let's start with something i received last night these horrific pictures of these people that were in what looked like even the hallway of a hospital um trying to be um cleaned up after a bombing i was told both of them were dead it's a mother and a father and their children the nazarene fund had already saved them once from isis and then moved them back into their houses and I was told they were killed. You have a different story this morning? 
Yes, sir. Actually, they uh, they survived. They were uh, critically wounded um, uh, with the bombings. Uh, the uh, unfortunate thing is when uh, when Turkey began its bombing, it's very targeted um, uh, against the, it's it's focused on the Kurds. But uh, as we know, um, Christian families live uh, uh, in in Kurdish areas. Many of them come from uh, centuries, uh, you know, uh, of of uh, you know family lineage in the area. And this family, unfortunately, uh, was was uh, critically wounded. Uh, we're getting uh, the ground invasion just began uh, in a fra- four-pronged attack uh, fra- into northern Syria. And uh, the displacement as of this morning, we're, we're hearing that over 100,000 people has, have already been displaced. And uh, this number is going to continue to increase. Um, uh, we're slowly getting um, uh, feed from uh, from our, some of our our, uh, our members on the ground. It's been very very difficult, as you can tell from uh, from the bombings and the shellings, to get this information. But uh, so far, a lot more people have been wounded. We just don't have a very good tally on the numbers right now. We have when we have the video. We are just receiving new video. Uh, if we have the video of, go ahead and roll this. This is a, a town that uh, somebody appears to be standing on their roof, and they're showing that it's just everything around their town is on fire, uh, been bombed. Um, they yeah. were safe. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about this video, uh, Rudy? Did you get it? Yes. Yeah, Glenn, I just saw the video. This is coming from uh, the town of Tel Abyad. That's in the uh, north-central uh, region of Syria. Uh, of northern Syria, and um, you know the person that videotaped this is videotaping the uh, the, the different sections uh, where the where the Turks are bombing. Uh, the Kurdish forces are not going to uh, take this uh, laying down; they're going to actually fight. And the reason why the fighting is going to actually happen is because back in January 2018, the Turks uh, went into the town of Afrin in Syria and, and uh, uh, cleansed over 200,000 Kurds. This was in January 2018. So, so Kurdish forces saw this and are not going to, uh, this time, sit back and not be prepared. They are going to fight to the death. So um, these are not people. I, I wish we wouldn't have been in bed with these particular Kurds. These are not the Iraqi Kurds who are very pro-democracy and freedom and love America. These guys sure. are really some, you know, they're they're Marxist, uh, communist uh, kind of, you know, they're authoritarian. Um, and I don't like being in bed with them, but still they fought against ISIS. They actually were guarding a lot of the ISIS members, which we have taken apparently the worst of those ISIS people and got them out. So they're not, you know, released back into the public. But that's one of the things the Kurds and the Christians and the Yazidis are afraid of is those gates are going to be opened uh, from those prison camps and they're all going to just disappear. Yes, that's correct. So what's going to happen is, as as the Kurdish forces will be pressured, big camps like Al Hol camp, uh, which has houses right now over seventy thousand uh, prisoners, mainly the uh, the women and children of ISIS fighters, many of them very radicalized and have sworn to fight. Uh, camps like Ain Isa, Roj, all of these camps now will be under a major duress because the Kurds will not be able to maintain. Uh, you know, guard over them, and the likelihood. And uh, actually, Baghdadi last month, uh, the, the the leader of ISIS, 
made a plea for his fighters to go in and rescue all these prisoners and get them released. We are now already hearing of, of ISIS in, uh, attacks, or we're hearing of uh, uh, suicide attacks. Uh, not unconfirmed yet, but I, I'm not. I, I would not be surprised if they start to show. Um, you know, back when when uh, when ISIS was strong and they controlled uh, a good chunk of real estate in northern Syria, many of the ISIS fighters were found uh, with uh, with uh, SIM cards from Turkey. Their rear base, their their support would come from inside Turkey. Well, we know we shut down two organ harvesting, you know, quote, hospitals, um, and they were in Turkey. They were they were helping harvest organs with ISIS. Uh, And, uh, you know, Turkey is Turkey is she may be an ally in NATO, but it's not an ally. It's not. They're on the wrong side. And if I'm not mistaken, I'd love you to correct this. They want to reestablish the Ottoman Empire. They want their land back, even from the northern Iraqi Kurds. They want to um, they want to wipe out all Kurds and many of the Christians. They don't want them there anymore. And Turkey has done this in the past. Uh, Am I mistaken that we're looking at a, a genocide? Yes, I would call it an ethnocide, but yes, you're correct. And, and the reason why is because the current president of Turkey is a card-carrying member of the Muslim Brotherhood. And when the Muslim Brotherhood was established in the early part of the 20th century, the view from Hassan al-Banna, the founder of the Muslim Brotherhood, is to return to what he calls pan-Arabism and pan-Islamism, basically a control uh, when when Islam had conquered all the way up to the end of the Ottoman Empire in the beginning of the 20th century, it had a large real estate in North Africa, across the Middle East, into a good chunk of Europe. And and and, and the idea of behind the Muslim Brotherhood is basically to return to this pan pan Arabism, and that's the foundation of it. Um, the current president of Turkey holds these views in his mind. So what he's talking about right now is is repatriating a lot of the refugees that are inside Turkey into northern Syria and creating that buffer zone. Unfortunately, most people don't understand that what he really wants to do is he wants to rid of northern Syria of any presence of Christians or Kurds and replace them with Arabs, Sunni Arabs that have the same mindset. Because only 17 to 20 percent of the refugees currently in Syria are, uh, I mean, in Turkey, are Syrian Arabs that are Sunni, that are Sunnis. So, so he's not going to have a lot of refugees to work with, and he's going to have to replace the rest of these gaps with other people. Okay, Rudy, uh, you and I have talked to many of these Christians in the past. They've wanted to stay in the area because they don't want to abandon the the birthplace in many cases of Christianity, the, you know, where the apostles actually set up the actual church that they attend. Um, and they don't want to, they don't want to abandon it. Uh, I have a feeling what's coming now. They're going to be willing to say, I I gotta, I gotta get out of here. We got to get our families out of here. Yes. Um, this is, Am I overstating it to say the problem may be worse than it was before and we have to get these people out? 
Yes, it's it, it can become a lot worse, and we need to help every single one of them. And the reason why is they're going to get pushed into areas that are predominantly dominated by uh, Iranian-backed militias, which are just as bad as, as ISIS. Yeah, and then no place to we go. can see a resurgence of ISIS. So they would be indiscriminately targeted because of their Christian faith. And, and, and sadly enough, as you mentioned, we would lose a lot of those Judeo-Christian uh, areas that, that, that have been there for centuries that hold basically the, the, you know, the, the historical data of, of our, our heritage of where we originally came from, like, you know, the tomb of Jonah, the tomb of Nahum, and all these, all these very special old places that you read in the Old Testament. So, and these Christian, these Christian families are, 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 you know, we, we talked, I was uh, in, in Iraq with my team, uh, not even a month and a half ago. And uh, we were talking to 684 Syrian Christian families that were crying. They wanted to return back to Syria, but they could not because, you know, the infrastructure was taken away from them. They can't even work. Now we're going to see even more Christians leave from inside Syria, and all of them are going to be pushed into neighboring countries like, you know, Iraq, like Jordan, like Lebanon, which are already at the at the brink of maximum capability for to help refugees. So they don't have they don't have the infrastructure to take in more refugees. Uh, the medical capabilities are not there. So what the Nazarene Fund is doing is we are finding these families. We are helping them stand on their two feet. Uh, we're working with the government of Australia, and we're looking for other governments to take them in. We're trying to give them a new lease on life. Many of them are professionals. A lot of these Christians mm-hmm. uh, are are professionals, doctors, doctors lawyers, lawyers yeah. engineers very well-educated people. All they care about is raising their families properly, but they're not allowed to work in many of these countries. I had a woman, she looked at me and was crying. She said, I'm a, I'm a professional teacher. I ran a school in, in Damascus, Syria. I can't return right now because it's so dangerous for me and my family. She said, I'm, I'm stuck scrubbing toilets from, from 8 o'clock in the morning to 5 o'clock at night. She said, I'm not ashamed to do it. Nope. I receive $5 a day for it. And, and she said, I'm not allowed to work as a teacher because I'm a Christian. And what's amazing is most of these people will do those jobs, and they would do those for the rest of their life, but their lives are being cut short now, and this is a real problem. Correct. Please join us. Please join us. NazareneFund.org. Help us. We need your support now. The NazareneFund.org. We've got to move these Christians out. They're going to get slaughtered. Um, the NazareneFund.org. We are the leading people in the Middle East doing this, and we don't want to leave anyone behind. Um, one other thing, we, you can also help us by joining us at the M1 Ball, which is happening a week from this Saturday here in Dallas. This is the, the thing that we do once a year that raises all of the money to keep the lights on, to keep people like Rudy employed, uh, because all of the money that we uh, we raise through Nazarene Fund or anything else, emergency services, 100% goes to the cause. So we need to keep our employees employed, and we do that by raising money at the M1 Ball. And please, buy a table, buy a buy a, uh, a chair, even buy it and don't come, but please donate to uh, mercuryone.org slash M1 Ball. And also you can help directly. 100% of the proceeds go to Save the Christians at nazarenefund.org. Thank you so much, Rudy. Got to run. 
Welcome to the uh, Glenn Beck program. Uh, we have John Solomon on next. John Solomon is at the center of this Ukrainian story and, quite honestly, impeachment. He is the guy who has been investigating and has most of the answers. Uh, John Solomon joins us next. We have some real questions for him because there's been an arrest made today in Washington with Rudy Giuliani's friends. Uh, and we also need to know some more information of what was happening with the whistleblowers. Back.